Well, good morning. Glad uh, all of you are here, like Ben mentioned. Uh, it's my pleasure. I wanted to introduce our speaker today, uh, Harold Bullock. Uh, Harold Bullock is the pastor uh, and founding pastor of Hope Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, in August, they're going to be celebrating uh, their 35th year as a church, and so we are excited to celebrate with them as they've been really looking at building values into people and changing lives for the past 35 years. Uh, Harold has had a distinct impact uh, on our church, Church in the Valley, specifically uh, some key men in our church. Randy Lanthrop uh, went to seminary in Fort Worth and was trained personally uh, by Harold and some other men in our church and uh, many people within Church in the Valley uh, every uh, couple uh, twice a year, uh, go back to Hope to get training at some of the conferences that uh, Harold does. And like Ben mentioned, this summer and last summer, uh, Harold has actually come to California uh, to do some conferences here. And so through those conferences, personally, I've received uh, so much help in my life, not just uh, in work related to church life and things like that, but also personally in my relationships as I lead my family. And uh, I'm uh, grateful for Harold and his perspective. And uh, this morning he's going to be sharing uh, about the importance of competing uh, or not the importance of competing, but the importance of cooperating instead of uh, competing based on the theme of Monsters University. So why don't we welcome Harold as he comes up? Let's give him a hand. I think it goes better if I turn it on. Uh, it was fun for me coming up 710 and heading heading east on I-10. My wife and I had our first home here in Alhambra, off of Fremont near Huntington Drive. She worked in Pasadena, and uh, my office was in Downey, but I worked around this region here. We sold our house. We bought it and sold it for $25,000 profit. And used that to live for a year in grad school. We we got a tremendous deal when we sold it. We sold our house for twenty eight thousand five hundred dollars. <laughs> Three years later, it was worth one hundred twenty eight thousand five hundred dollars. That was when I realized God was not calling me to go into real estate. <laughs> uh, it's great to be with you guys. Cooperating or competing? Competing or cooperating? Monsters University really raises uh, a tremendous question whenever Mike Mike tells Sully that he's going to out-scare him. He's going to outdo him. Uh, we, we live in a society that sort of turns everything into a competition, uh, partly out of our uh, evolutionary philosophy, and then partly because, well, just, we're just that way. You know, it's not enough to have uh, ten athletes, we have to have the top ten athletes. And then we count down, nine, eight, seven, six. E everything turns into a competition among us. Uh, competition is not bad. The right kind of competition. But boy, it, it goes bad easy. I remember whenever I was really young, I had two younger sisters, we were all about 18 months apart. And uh, I'd gotten old enough and my parents got me a pair of cowboy boots. And uh, I don't know what they would have done to my feet if I'd actually worn them for a long time. 
But they were really cool. Oh, I loved them so much. I wore them all the time. My, uh, one of my sisters really wanted to wear them one night. And I, I, I wouldn't let her. She wanted to wear them before. I wouldn't let her. She could not wear my cowboy boots. I got up the next morning, and they had water in them. Uh, she got up during the night, needed to go to the bathroom, and decided to use my cowboy boots. That just ruined things. I never wore them again. I, I, I didn't see that one coming. A few years later, I was playing with some friends. Uh, they had a little more money than we did. Had a nice sand pile in their yard and some really nice metal trucks. And I was having great fun with my two guy friends. I was probably five or six. So my sisters come over and want to play. Of course, we boys don't want them to. So they just stomp through the sand pile, kick the trucks over. And one, of the, one of the guys raises up and knocks one of them down. And then I'm into a fight with both boys because I'm the older brother. Dad has instructed me, you take care of your sisters. Now, we didn't want to let them play. So they got back at us. So they just ruined everything. Uh, in college, a few years later, uh, I, I did well academically. And I uh, could, could sort of think fast. So I got into the thing of one-upping people. You know, college students are really... Well, you could say they're good at this, or you could say they're really bad at this. Uh, you know, you, someone makes a comment, you make a little bit clever, more clever comment. Someone else makes a comment, and you top that one, and you start going to see who can win. Well, I, I got better and better. I was winning and winning and winning. And um, one day, I just won over one of the sharpest guys around. I went back to my room, get ready to go out for dinner. And pretty proud of myself, and the Lord said, you know, I, I don't know, remember exactly how the thought came, but it came. I've given you a good mind, and I've actually given you a mind to help people, and you're using it to damage people. I never thought about that. It, it, was, it actually sort of stabbed me through the heart. And, uh, of course, the application of that was, you have to quit now. My thought was, oh, it's going to be brutal. And I was right. Uh, when I stopped making the replies, it was just brutal. Uh, all the people that I had, I had damaged were more than glad to find me defenseless and just really say horrible things. But I finally got over it. Uh, years later, I was at a training conference in Kansas City for guys involved in ministry. I started off as a chemist, and the Lord directed into ministry. And so I was at this conference, and I remember walking up to a classroom at this uh, seminary. Inside were a whole bunch of guys who really knew how to walk with God. And I, I knew a little bit. I was, I was a leader, but these guys were similar age, but so far ahead of me. I've been invited to be a part of the leadership corps at this conference, and we would lead teams to do different things. Now, I remember walking up to the door. I walked up. I put my hand on the handle, and you couldn't see inside the classroom. And I, as I stood there, I thought, you know, when I go in this door, 
it's going to be very apparent how immature I am. And I'm going to feel so bad. Because they all know God so much better than I do. And it's just going to be very obvious. It's sort of like, I felt like I was walking into my spiritual boxers. And the thought came, you have a choice. Do you humble yourself? Or do you walk away? So I opened the door, went in. It turns out, that was 1974, so much of the rest of my life flowed out of opening that door. It would take a long time to tell you how many things. Why did I pause? An old sense of competition. How am I I going to rank here? I'm not going to look too good. Competitive spirit. Anyway, uh, I want to talk about that for just a few moments uh, with you. I think you have a handout you may want to take a look at. Uh, First of all, let's compete or cooperate. Uh, Again, it's okay for a team to be... The Super Bowl champions. It's okay. That, that's, that's okay. However, very often what we get into is not just team rivalry. Uh, we get into personal rivalry, and that very often destroys things. As a matter of fact, rivalry ruins. When it comes down to a personal level, it just ruins. To rival means uh, you're going to strive to be equal with someone? Or are you going to excel someone? Are you going to compete with them? You're sure you're just as good as they are? Or maybe better. You're going to compete. You're a rival. All, all human beings, every one of us, me and you, uh, we all have a tendency to selfishness. There are three, three big problems we have. They show up in all kinds of ways. One is selfishness. We want what we want when we want it. Actually, we also want the way we want. And we're not being exceptional. We just want what we want. Uh, Secondly is arrogance. We feel we deserve more than others. Or we feel we deserve better than others. Or we feel we deserve sooner than others. You know, we get in a line, if you're in school, maybe you get in the line for the lunchroom, and someone cuts in, front of the line, cuts in front of you in the line. And we don't deserve that. They should be at the back of the line. This goes to all kinds of areas. Uh, third thing is damage. Selfishness, arrogance, and then damage. Uh, damage means that we'll say or do things that hurt other people. If we don't get what we want, we'll say things that hurt them. They block us. If we don't get what we deserve, we'll say or do things. I'd actually punch them in the nose if there are no security cameras. Uh, For others of us, we'll just say mean things. And then others of us, a little more nonverbal, we'll just give them mean looks. But we we want to inflict some damage here. Uh, those three things spell sad. <laughs> Selfishness, arrogance, and damage. And, and we get pulled, we get pulled toward competing by our selfishness. I want that. You know, my sister wanted my cowboy boots. She just wanted to wear them. I wanted my cowboy boots. I didn't want her to wear them. 
I arrogance. I deserve it. They're my cowboy boots. No. You know, they were given to me. It's my present. I deserve it. Like I said, rivalry ruins. You ruin my cowboy boots. And whenever we don't get what we want, we do damage. My sister, you know, uses my boots instead of the bathroom. Uh, my two sisters, who actually grew up much better people than I was, uh, we wouldn't let them play with us. They just kicked the trucks and stomped through the sand pile and all the little bridges we had made. Uh, they do damage. So my friend damages one of them, then I have to damage him, and then here we go. Uh, this, this is the way we are. We see another person who gets an advantage, uh, some kind of advantage. They have it, or they got it. And we want it, or at least we deserve that. And then we, re- we resent it first. We first resent. Who are they to have that? I, I can't believe they got that. I can't believe they seated them instead of us at the restaurant. We were here first. I, we decide we're going to equal them. We're going to have what they do, or we will excel them. We will have better than they do. Or... <laughs> If we can't, we damage. We'll make them pay for it. That's when the trouble starts. James actually says something about this, the book in the New Testament. What causes quarrels? What causes fights among you? Is it not that your passions are at war within you? You desire, you don't have. So you murder. You go after someone. You covet, cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. Why do husbands and wives fight and quarrel? Well, because one of them wants something, and he's not getting it, or she's not getting it. And she deserves it. She sets out to have it, and maybe he blocks her. And the boy, here we go. James says, where you have, where you, where you are jealous, I'm sorry, where jealousy and selfish ambition exist. Jealousy is, they have it, I don't. That really, that really fries me. They have it, I don't. Selfish ambition is, I'm going to have what I want. If I have to step on you, I will have what I want. Where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. Uh, the New Testament was originally written in Greek. This word disorder has the idea that things start to come apart. Organizations come apart. Businesses come apart. Churches come apart. Families fly apart. And then every vile practice. Uh, actually, the Greek word right there, the ancient Greek word, is the word phallos. And it means foul. That's really what it means. Every kind of foul thing happens. Once this stuff gets unleashed, I rivalry just ruins. Uh, husbands, wives, parents, kids, uh, people in church. Once you started the competition, usually it's not going to be pretty. Uh, teaming actually transforms. Whenever you learn how to team rightly, then teaming transforms everything. According to the Bible, uh, teaming will transform success. The kinds of things you can actually accomplish in life. 
And then in your work? Ecclesiastes, a book in the Old Testament on the philosophy of living, philosophy of life. It says, two people are better than one, for they can help each other succeed. Wow. Two people can help each other succeed. You know, we tend to think, I can succeed if they'll just get out of my way. Actually, if you can learn how to team husband and wife or mom and dad, or friend and friend, or co-worker, if you can learn how to team, your success starts ramping up. It also transforms adversity. Uh, what, what, what's going to block us? Oh, you still have to do something in life. There's, there are always problems that come up. Uh, sometimes they're financial. Sometimes they're things you didn't think about. But these, these things rise up, and they're a problem. Our success is being hindered right now. And we've got this hard thing upon us. Teaming, learning how to team changes what blocks you. So that same set of verses goes on. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. You know, all the, the ads, everyone's become sort of iconic. I, I fall in and I can't get up. Well, sometimes we hit those places in life where something very hard happened, and boy, for whatever reason, we're having a hard time getting traction again. And whenever we rightly team with people, they can help us. If someone falls alone, he's in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. I got your back, man. Three are even better. Three, a three-braided cord is not easily broken. You know, we have this idea in, in our society, and, and actually in our hearts, of I'm going to do it all myself. Uh, no, you're not. Actually, at least at this point in society, some lady gave you birth. You got here with help. And someone, I don't know why they did it, but they fed you and changed your diapers for years. And newborns just don't, you know, clean themselves up. People took care of you for a long time. You, you've already been invested in by someone's. And as you move forward in life, if you can learn how to rightly cooperate, how to rightly team with other people, what life just goes so much better. So, according, according to the Bible... Uh, the refusal to team is really bad judgment. There's a verse, Proverbs 18, uh, in God's Word translation. It says, a loner is out to get what he wants for himself. He opposes all sound reasoning. Now, what he does is he's a loner because he's got his own agenda. And nobody's going to mess with his agenda. His agenda might be to make billions. It may just be to watch football at the right time on TV. But he, he doesn't team because if he teams with people, they might ask him to help do stuff, and he wants his own agenda. That, those words, he opposes all sound reasoning. Uh, there's actually an, an ancient Hebrew word that's used here, and it means he opposes everything that goes with taking ideas and bringing them into reality. 
That, that's, a, that's a sound reasoning idea in Hebrew. It always takes a team to make things happen. So, the one, if you want to be a loner, uh, just get ready to get bruised in a lot of fights all by yourself. If you fall, good luck getting up. May you be able to. But for most of your life, you're going to have a trouble bringing dreams to pass. Because the way God has designed life, teams are what's needed. So, refusal of teams is a, a very bad idea. Teaming actually requires, though, it, it requires that you change some things. If you want to team with people, you have to change some attitudes. <laughs> two, two big ones. You have to move from I deserve to I serve. Why not? I deserve to watch football when I want to. I work hard. Uh, yeah, yeah, I understand that. I like football too. But you know, there are times whenever uh, your wife or maybe your children really need attention. Or there may be other people that are in a bind and really need help right now. And you just need to set football on the shelf for a while. I mean, it's not going to go away, I promise you. They make way too much money to take it off TV. So it'll be there. But do nothing from selfish ambition, that intent to have what you want regardless, or, or conceit that oh, I deserve, I deserve so much, I deserve this. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Wow, now you know they're not more significant than you, right? So you can't think of them, at least count them like they are. Treat other people as though they're more important than you. You know, if a very famous, honorable person walked into the room, you and I would show respect for them. Uh, very often they get the best seats in the house. And very often people do them favors or give them gifts. Why? Because they've earned great honor and respect. Whenever we look around at each other, you know what we tend to see? You and I tend to see scenery. People are sort of like, you know, trees by the road or some pretty flowering bushes, maybe. We're on the freeway of life. Instead, we need to see people who are important to God, people that we can help serve. You're going to have to move from me to we, from selfishness to kindness. From me, it's all about me and my agenda, me and my family, me and my job. I mean, your family is important, your job's important, or or. Your dating career is important. But you have to move from me to we. I start looking and seeing how I can be a help to others. Philippians 2.4, the next verse, says, Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Now, you, your interests are important. They are important. You don't disregard them. You need to be responsible and take care of your stuff, whatever that is, family, job, money, whatever. However, while you're taking care of yours, you want to look around and make sure you're taking care of yours in a way that you can be a help to others also. We just develop bigger sight where we don't just see our own little world, but we see the people that God has put with us also. Uh, kindness. I, I said the word kindness. You move from selfishness to kindness. Uh, kindness is a word... That means that I 
help other people with their goals. Now, now that kindness can run all kinds of ways. I remember many years ago, our oldest daughter now has two children. Our oldest daughter was three, and um, we were trying to get out of the house to get somewhere. And she was trying to get her socks on. We needed to go. Uh, we had the baby. Deborah had him in the arm. My wife did. The older girl, she she'd already packed up a lot of stuff for us. And the three-year-old is having trouble. And I start to get down and scoop her up and grab the shoes, and we just run out of the house whenever the Lord says, ah, wait. And it's like the light bulb turns on. She is working on socking. You know, in her little world right now, she is trying to conquer how to get her socks on. And I'm trying to conquer how to get out of the house. So it just took a few seconds longer. I waited. She, put on, she finally got her socks on. I helped her with her shoes. And then we, we left. Uh, with her is I identified her goal and helped her with her goal. We, we still got there on, on time. But I could have just run right over my kid's goal and been unkind. Now, she wasn't being slow. She just had her own little three-year-old goal. She's trying to master socks. So... We mastered socks. Now, maybe that'd be another situation where it'd be more important to get out of the house. You know, if the house is on fire, you don't say, well, darling, I'm really for you. Go for it. Get those socks on. But given the situation, kind, what, the, what the Lord was saying was, you need, you need kindness here, not just get on with your agenda. This happens between friends. It happens between parents and children. Now, children, you may, be, may need to work on kindness with your folks. It happens between uh, husbands and wives. Kindness. You move from me to we, and that means every now and then, just kindness. Uh, you have to change actions, though. Uh, you, you, it's not only your attitude. Uh, you have to change what you do. Uh, you have to move from compare to contribute. Whenever I was standing at the door of that classroom trying to decide whether to go in in my spiritual boxers or not, what I had done, you see, in my mind is I had compared me to everyone else in the classroom, the guys I knew would be in there, and I came out looking pretty, pretty bad. However, when I went into the classroom... They were just glad I was there. They were excited about having some help with the project. They weren't concerned about my spiritual boxers. They weren't concerned about my immaturity. What I, what I did in, in the moment at the door handle, I realized later, like, I then it was just, you know, one of those emotional crises. Do I go or don't I? Uh, what I did is I decided I would go ahead and humble myself and contribute what little I could rather than protect my pride and pull back and not contribute. They were so excited just about the contribution. They weren't interested in comparing themselves with me. Wow! And like I said, the rest of my life really flowed out of that decision. Because those people became a part of my life, 
a challenge to me, and many doors in the future open through them. But you've got to move from compare to contribute. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10.12 says, uh, talking about some people, leaders who are comparing themselves with one another, and all this comparing and grading and competing, they quite miss the point. Uh, The ancient Greek words there are words that mean they don't put it together right. You see, they're playing the wrong game. It's not that they're winning or losing. They're playing the wrong game. We're not even doing that. We're not doing the comparing, competing thing. We're just trying to figure out how to help each other and move forward. Wow. Nothing like winning the wrong game. You, you want to be playing the right game. Whenever I was one-upping my friends in college, I was playing the wrong game. What God was interested in was that people might be, because, I mean, everybody has a bad day. People might be strengthened, might be encouraged, might be helped. And I was playing verbal tennis. God wasn't playing that game at all. I was in the wrong game. You can spend your life playing the wrong game. I promise, there's no trophy for it. Now, 1 Peter 4.10 talks about this. Each of you, it says, must use the gift that God has given you to serve others. That's what the game is. The game's helping each other. So, when I walked through the door, I took what little ability I had, and I contributed to the group, and they were glad. But it helped me get a very different perspective on life. They were glad. You have to move from compete to cooperate. Whenever you start into the comparison, well, they're so much further ahead, or they're so much prettier, they're so much more handsome, they they did this, and I haven't done that. You start into this, you're into the wrong game. The question is, how can you be a help? Uh, The other one is, it's compete. You have to change from compete to cooperate. Rather than try to look better, I need to figure out how I can help the team move forward. If I'll do that, that other stuff will be taken care of. I need to figure out how to help the team move forward. Be completely humble and gentle, the Bible says. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Why do you have to bear with one another? Because frankly, everybody's a pain sooner or later. We all have to bear with each other. Husbands and wives have to bear with each other. Parents and children have to bear with each other. Church members have to bear with each other. I mean, this is a part of life. You bear with each other. Cut each other some slack. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Uh, The word here, make every effort, it's a word that means just push so hard you sweat with the effort. You do all you can to try to contribute, help the group move together harmoniously rather than compete. Uh, so you have to move. You have to change the attitudes. You need to change what your initial response is. I want to. I want to. I want to compare. No, well, how can I contribute? And I want to compete. How can I help out? Play the right game. One last thought: God will enable you to team. God is. What what we know of God is not just a set of ideas. He is actually a person who can give you power to change yourself. So if you, if you are pretty competitive or you're new to this idea of really teaming, 
Teen will make life so much better. But if you're struggling with any attitudes, ask God for help. God will actually help you. He'll help you change your heart. It's God who produces in you the desires and actions that please him. Do everything without complaining and arguing. Uh, Then you'll be blameless and innocent. You'll be God's children without any faults. The first part's important. It is God who produces in you the desires and actions that please him. God, I want to compete. I shouldn't, but I really want to help. What will happen is things begin to shift in you. Ask God. God will help. Uh, If you're newer around this bunch, check them out. And see if this is a group you want to team with. It takes a team. I'd like to call Pastor Alex up to wrap us up. Thank you very much, Harold. Uh, it was a pleasure having you with us this morning. I hope uh, this was a, was a help to you, I know, for myself. Uh, I have uh, three young kids, and I'm looking at socking very differently uh, now. And so thank you, Harold, for your, your insight. Um, <clears throat> we, every week, usually wrap up our message t- talking about next steps. And I want to do the same uh, this morning. Uh, as uh, Ben mentioned, you had a connection card that you filled out. Uh, If you've not filled that out yet or you're still in the middle of doing that, why don't you pull that out and uh, finish completing that. When I'm done, we're going to be receiving our offering, and you can drop that uh, completed connection card uh, in there. Uh, On the front side of the card, there's information about yourself, and I'm actually going to refer to some things on the back side of the card. Uh, There's some information that you can sign up for uh, if you're interested in learning more about Church in the Valley. Uh, Like Harold said, we would love to have uh, each of you team with us and really to work together to accomplish the mission that God has given us. And so if you'd like information on how to do that, how to be a part of the team, how to help on a Sunday morning, uh, you'll see some items there on the right side of the card where you can put you'd like to help uh, or you'd like information about us. Uh, put uh, You can mark that and we'll be sure to send you some of that info. And so uh, right now on the left side of the card, there's some information and some next steps that you can take. Like Ben mentioned, if you've not yet signed up for a life group, they launched this week, but it's not too late. Uh, In fact, this week as they meet, we'll be discussing uh, what Pastor Harold talked about today. This idea of how do we move from this competitiveness that's so uh, just pervasive in our society to actually uh, working with others. And if you'd like to kind of talk with a small group about that and how that works in your life and maybe questions that you have, then sign up for a life group. Uh, the leader of that life group will be in contact with you as soon as possible so you know where the group meets so you can be there uh, this week. That's going to run for a few weeks uh, for the rest of the summer. And so you just write the group number uh, that you'll find in the catalog on the connection card and the night that it meets, and we'll be sure to get you uh, more info. Like Ben mentioned as well, uh, if you've attended the Church in the Valley preview and you want to come to 101 today, that would be great. Uh, That gives a lot of information about how to uh, team up with Church in the Valley, and so you can mark that. And then also uh, there are some meetups uh, that we've been having over the summer, and these are really designed to give you an opportunity to get to know people. A lot of times when you come to church, you sit as you are sitting right now, and then you leave, and you may talk a little bit with people, but it's sometimes hard to get to know people. And so these meetups are designed to give you an opportunity outside of sitting in this auditorium to actually get to know some people and build some friendships. And so we hope that you will sign up for those that we have coming up and you can look uh, for more of them 
uh, for the duration of the summer. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to continue in singing uh, as we receive our offering. So pray with me. God, thank you so much for this picture that you give us that's very different than what's native to us. Uh, really this idea that it isn't all about us and our goals and our agenda and that when we actually open our hand to the things that are very important to us and we actually allow you to take control of our lives, you open us up to greater uh, priorities and a bigger mission than we can have on our own. And you also provide people uh, from our family to our friends to even the people within this church that really we can work together to accomplish something far greater than we can by ourselves. And so, God, we thank you that you have.